Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Today I'm talking to D.P. Knutten, a copywriter I met at Social Media Marketing World last year in San Diego. Admittedly, I spent the majority of this event in my bedroom watching Netflix because I found it a little bit overwhelming and was utterly shattered. But on the one brief occasion I headed to a networking event, I met DP, a huge character with whom I had lots of giggles. And I think I even promised him we'd start a podcast together. But then I remembered I already have three. Since then, I've been following him on LinkedIn. And he has some very interesting things to say. So I thought I'd sneak him on the show while Belinda wasn't looking and we'd have a bit of a natter. The focus of the show will be all about how to use social media to boost your copywriting business, but I suspect we may stray from that path. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success online learning hub. And today I'm talking to DP Knuton. Hello, DP. Well, hello, Kate Toon. It's lovely to see your little face again. Well, it's good to see you too. I mean, the last time I saw you, you were uh, in San Diego. And as, as, as was I. As was, as was we. We both were. Well, look, I'm going to start by reading out your illustrious bio, because that's how we roll on this show. So let me read this all out. D.P. Knuton is the chief collaborator at his business, Collaborator Creative, in Madison, Wisconsin, USA. A 25-year veteran ad man, D.P. has worked with some of the biggest brands in the business, including Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and Motorola, and at agencies including DDB, Needham, Chicago, McCann Erickson, Atlanta. A writer by trade, he enjoys playing in the intersection between visual and verbal, using his non-fiction branding, trademark, approach to move people and product. He's also the co-author with Spencer X. Smith of Rotoma, the ROI of, special, of social media, top of mind, and is the host of the popular Rotoma podcast. He also speaks about branding, social media, creativity, and cultures to groups around the United States. So there you go. That's pretty impressive. You've been busy. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you get to write your own bio. Yeah, I know. You just make yourself sound awesome, don't you? Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you are awesome and you have oodles of experience and have worked with some amazing brands. And, um, you know, one thing that I was really impressed by when I met you at the event was just, you know, a lot of copywriters are kind of quite shy and retiring types, maybe a little bit introverted. Would you call yourself an introvert? Oh, yeah. I like to call myself a high-functioning introvert, which means I can turn it on when I have to. And as you know, especially if you take a typical agency copywriter's career path and you end up as the creative director, you've got to be the one to sell the client on the ideas. And uh, you probably have the old saying that we have here in the United States that great ideas aren't bought, they're sold. So... If you got to be in there selling to a client, you got to be able to turn it on pretty hard. That's such a good point. And, you know, I never made it to the lofty heights of, of creative director. I was always just a, just a copywriter. But obviously you're dragged into meeting after meeting to sell the concepts and the ideas that you've written. And yet I wouldn't say that most copywriters are natural salespeople. I think that's a bit of a, a breach. And I think that really... It's God, such a good segue, people. It's only nine o'clock and I'm segueing. Such a good segue into our episode because I think lots of copywriters struggle with putting themselves out there, with marketing themselves, with doing all the things on social media and trying to keep themselves top of mind. So 
that kind of natural salesperson thing doesn't come naturally to us. So yeah, that kind of lends to your whole ethos, which is this Rotoma, return of top of mind awareness. Can you explain what this means and why copywriters should care about it? Well, yeah, it, a lot of people will ask, what's the value of doing social media? And I, I know that you do a lot of social media work. And I do a lot of social media work. And are, oftentimes you're talking to a client and many clients will look at it as in a complete waste of time, money and bandwidth. Well, so they'll ask the question, what's the ROI? What's the return on investment of my time, money and bandwidth on social media? And the basic premise of the book that I wrote with Spencer X. Smith is, if that's your question about social media, you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking, what is social media good for? And what is it the most powerful thing in the history of mankind about? And that is allowing you to be come and remain top of mind with your clients before they're in the market, when they're in the market, after they leave the market, when you want to upsell to them, when you want to resell to them, when you want to cross sell to them, the best thing you can be is literally at the top of their mind. That's so interesting. This is so apt because I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I'm actually taking an entire month off social media. Well, so I said, but I'm not very good at these kind of things. But I'm stopping rescheduling. I do a lot of rescheduling of old content so that I can have a good look through it and, you know, cull it a little. Um, I often feel, however, that some of my social media is a little bit just noise. Like, you know, I'm trying to be present. I'm trying to keep me top of mind, but maybe I don't actually have anything interesting to say. <laughs> does that, you know, does that matter? Do you think like, you know, often my post is just like a picture of a hedgehog or a funny meme. It's not necessarily always erudite tips and advice. So, you know, how do we differentiate between just randomly making noise and staying top of mind? Well, no one can be expected to have brilliant information to share every day of the week, multiple channels, different feeds, all that stuff. The purpose of keeping yourself top of mind is not to impress everyone with your bona fides and your brilliance. It's to literally remind them that you exist. And so one of the things in the book that we talk about, I wrote a section called Unselfish Selfies. And we actually took a bunch of these when we were at Social Media Marketing World. And it's about taking a photo with you and a bunch of other people. And then you use LinkedIn, perfect place to share that. And Facebook is also viable. But for me, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. You take that selfie with those people you tag those people, you say, it was so great to meet Kate Toon and, 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 and at Social Media Marketing World. I can't believe how cool Australians are when you meet them in a bar for the first time. Okay, what, what has that said brilliant about me? Well, it's demonstrated a number of things. One, I went to Social Media Marketing World. What does that say? It means that I might have learned something valuable to my audiences, to my constituencies, to make me a little bit more valuable because I went and they didn't. It's not rubbing, you know, it's not like I came back with a diploma that I'm beating people over the head with, but they get the idea of, oh, wow, you probably learned stuff I don't know. That's a good thing to have. I'm also pointing out all the people I met, including Kate Toon in Sydney, Australia, how cool is that, that D.P. Knuton in Madison, Wisconsin, USA, met Kate Toon in Australia? It's very cool to people who don't know that Kate Toon is 
who Kate Toon is, but Australia's cool. And it, it just, it's a, lo- it's a layer of coolness that now attaches to me. I love that. I, layer of coolness. I need that. Although I, exactly. have, I have to quickly point out, you do know that I'm actually not Australian. Yeah, well, you're British, right? Of course, I'm British. I, I just needed, not that I have anything against Australians, but come on. Um, now, well, I, you know, we're okay. all... You've got a few Go points to make there, but I just want to say one thing. I find those selfies, because I saw people who seem to me to have literally gone to social media marketing world to just stand by Amy, what's the face, and Pat Buddha, and just, it was selfie, selfie, selfie. And to be honest, towards the end of it, it felt a bit revolting. So, you know, it's, there's a line there as well, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a balance thing. It's like too much cake is going to make you fat and sick. You got to balance your carbohydrates with your protein. So if, if I think of a selfie like that as a carbohydrate, I want to have some really meaty protein to share in terms of hints, tips, and tricks. So and, I, and again, using social media marketing world, just as an example, yeah, I took fun photos of you and all the other people that we met that first night. But the very next day, I came out of a session, I think it was Guy Kawasaki's session, where he was talking about LinkedIn being the next great social media platform. And that was a bit of information that I thought was really valuable to the people who follow me or I engage with on LinkedIn. So I shared that. And by the way, when I got back to Madison, people were talking about that fact, like I had no idea that, that LinkedIn was getting so big as a social media platform. But the fact is, it is. And especially for working copywriters, it's an incredible marketplace. And if you aren't actively engaged in that marketplace, creating some top of mind awareness for yourself, you're missing out. But that's okay, because I'm going to take your clients. <laughs> now you two do a great a great job at LinkedIn. I, I might come back to that towards the end because I'm interested in that. But something I wanted to talk to you about was you talk a little bit about something called shoemaker's children syndrome. Now I think that's about cobbler's shoes. Is that is that that analogy? So we yeah, call, it's very we very much cobblers. so. We call them cobblers in England. So well, cobblers. of course, of course. You know, uh, it's the old George Bernard Shaw quote that we're three countries if we're talking about Australia, United States, and England, uh, what, uh, separated by a common language? Yeah. (laughs) So Shoemaker's Children is basically, well, I I like to tell people this. I joined, and you can look this up on LinkedIn under your profile. They'll tell you the day down to the year and date that you joined LinkedIn. I joined LinkedIn February 20th, 2006, and did nothing for almost a decade on it. Same. Exactly the same. Well, exactly, because I, I treated it like a resume site. I got my resume filled out. I think I did enough to get that all-star profile rating or badge. And then I just left it because in my head, well, I'm working inside agencies. I have a job. I'm not looking for a job. If people want to look me up, that's fine. But it's a resume site like a monster.com or, you know, I'm sure Australia has very similar ones that are just for people looking for jobs. Well, all of a sudden, especially when I started working with Spencer on some projects, it became apparent how valuable and viable LinkedIn was as a social media platform for people who actually want to talk to people with budgets. Not Facebook, where people can talk about budgies and dogs and kids and college and blah, 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 but actually 
you know, uh, most copywriters, it's a pure B2B sale. I'm selling my services to a business. That business owner is likely wearing multiple hats and doesn't have a lot of time. So if they're going to engage on a social media channel during their two and a half seconds before they have to move on to the next thing, where do you think they're going? They're going on LinkedIn to locate their next customers or their vendors or maintain their relationships. I believe, uh, I have a saying here, I'm, Wisconsin is a state in the United States where freshwater fishing is huge. We have a 15,000 lakes and so everybody fishes. So fishing metaphors and analogies happen way too often here. But I believe in one that is really, and I think every copywriter needs to think about this. Everyone knows about personas, right? Well, I'm here to talk to you about species of fish. <laughs> what species of fish are you trying to catch? Are you trying to catch a bunch of small little guppies? Or are you the type of copywriter who wants to get those big jobs with bigger clients that, you know, you do five of those a year and your year is taken care of? Yeah. Uh, or yeah, I would kind of copyright to the fishes and they wind it up and there's a boot or a tin can at the end because that's the other thing, you know. Exactly. All those tire kickers and people who, you know, you write the proposal for and nothing comes of it, you know, because they were never the right client in the first place. It's as much about repelling as attracting and LinkedIn's a great place to really hone in on the sorts of people you want to get. Because as you said, they've got money. That's the big difference. You know, they have money to spend. Right. If, if you're talking about people who need someone to write tweets, I don't want that copywriter job. Mm. I want the copywriter job that is, I need a social media strategy and execution. And I would like you to create the strategy. I would like you to help me with the ex actual execution. And while I'll be able to handle the day-to-day -day tweeting, I would like you to write the longer form protein level blog posts. Mm. That's how I make money. I don't make money writing tweets for somebody. I think also, you know, it's also the jobs where they're, you know, they're willing to take you on, on a, on a longer scale. It's not like, oh, here, could you just do our website? And then we're done. It's like, do our tone of voice. Let's work on the website. Then next month, we're going to plan our social. Then after that, our email marketing. And you get that lifetime relationship, maybe not lifetime, but longer term. So that you're not constantly having to pitch and sell because you've got those ongoing clients. Because it's hard having lots of one night stand clients. We want to have long, longer term relationships. And LinkedIn, I think, is a better place to nab that species of fish, which maybe, you know, are they guppies? No, they're cods. Cods or... Well, I like to think of them as whales. because Whales. I but we shouldn't be catching whales. Poor whales. Put them back. But yeah, I know. All right. <laughs> All right. How about, how about swordfish? We'll go with swordfish. Uh, yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm much more interested in doing relationships, creating relationships. Uh, a lot of the people I work with view me as their creative director and copywriter who exists outside their business. But whenever they need something, and again, it could be a video, it could be a traditional uh, ad campaign, it could be a TV advertisement, it could be anything, I'm top of mind with them. So they pick up the phone or they, you know, we use Slack a lot. I'll, I can't tell you how many different companies have in my Slack channels because they consider me part of their crew, even though I'm outside the boat. Yeah. So do you think that it's a bit of a mindset shift that instead of thinking of, especially LinkedIn as social media, we should be thinking of it more as relationship building and we're actually just starting the relationship then? Because I think there's this tendency to have this push 
mentality with social media. I'm going to make a gift and put it here, here and here. And rather than doing that on LinkedIn, it's about starting conversations, answering questions, following them, making suggestions, sharing. It's like you're building a relationship with a potential client. Is that how you view it? Yeah, well, absolutely. It, I, I think of LinkedIn as a business-oriented party. And everybody's there at the party and you walk by one group of people and they're talking about stuff you aren't expert in or you don't care about. So you just ignore those guys. But you find the ones that are, are talking about something you're interested in. You join the conversation. They, you know, and it's just like at a party where the first time you join a new group and you say something, everybody kind of whips their head around and look at you like, who are you? Then you say something smart and they go, oh yeah, cool. Welcome to the group. And then all of a sudden you're collaborating together. You're sharing ideas. Um, I've had more than one person and I've done this for them as well, which is I've met a client that wasn't right for me. So I refer that client to them and that kind of mutual back scratch thing that really good copywriters do. You know, every writer has kind of a sweet spot that they do better than other things. Some are really pithy, Con conceptual, uh, think of it as almost haikus, koans, and pithy sayings. Other ones maybe can do white papers like for days. Yeah. I literally just had someone saying, hey, could you do a white paper? And I said, no, because <laughs> that's not what I do. However, I know someone who can and excels at it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, you, you've, you, whether you've niched down on industry or type, like I would rather eat my own kidneys than write an annual report. I, even if I had, even if they were offering oodles of cash, I just could not physically bring myself to do that. So I think that's super important. Now, another thing that you mentioned here is that you see, we were sort of focusing on LinkedIn, but if we come back to social media a bit more in general, you see social media, you say, as a force multiplier for copywriters. What do you mean by a force multiplier? Okay, so my business is actually just me. Don't tell anybody. It's mine too. Well, exactly. So my sales force is me. My business development team is me. My go out networking at places I don't know anybody is me. I mean, and I'm a high functioning introvert and I don't like that kind of thing. <laughs> So what social media allows me to do is demonstrate who I am, how I act, how I serve, the way I think. And again, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I don't want to be everybody's cup of tea. I want to be the type of cup of tea for the people who go, I love this and I want more of you. And so I can do that via social media. And here's the thing. I'm not on everything. I hate Facebook. I really hate Facebook. I love Twitter, mostly because I, I follow politics, the U.S. politics, like it's a sport, uh, you know, and but that's, well, oh, yeah, it's a very interesting sport. <laughs> uh, but my, my point is that I can demonstrate who I am, the way I think and why I might be valuable to you in a lot of different ways in a sales oriented way. And I'm not out there selling like, Hey, I can write a brochure for you for X number of dollars. I'm just demonstrating that, wow, he's kind of smart. He's kind of funny. He seems personable. Um, why don't we give him a call? See if we could work out and, and via social media. And again, it doesn't have to be just LinkedIn, but you get to identify the flock that you fly with. 
So if you're flying with the high flying flock, you know, the high performing flock, there's a lot of networking going on at that level that happens because people want to recommend people that they really feel comfortable recommending. Mm. So I, again, I would rather have 5,000 great contacts on LinkedIn than 5 million on Facebook because those 5,000 on LinkedIn have money to spend and would appreciate what I have to offer. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just, my next question was going to be, should we focus on one particular platform and which platform should it be? But I think I know your answer to that. But I mean, I just, from my experience, I've, you know, I feel like I'm a, somewhat of a generalist and I try to be a little bit everywhere. I do love Facebook. It's where I have my, I don't love Facebook as a channel and as a company, but it's very useful to me. It's where I have my membership communities and I have, and you know, I make lots of small sales because I have a lot of passive income, like shops and memberships and whatever. So for me, that's great. But for Mm -hmm. winning big clients and from, you know, getting big brands on board as a copywriter, I, I agree with you. I'm all about LinkedIn and we've had an interesting scenario go on recently where you know people are really trying to work on Instagram because Instagram's so pretty and it's quotes and it's this but the problem is that everyone on Instagram I don't know if the people on Instagram are there to to sell and buy and to engage I don't know what do you what are your thoughts on Instagram do you do much Instagram stuff well I I enjoy Instagram as a consumer I find it much more palatable than Facebook or what I call in your Facebook uh, because it's all about this is my best life 24 seven. I'm like, no, that's not, not what life is, but Instagram's interesting. And I think it is really, really great for clients who have very visual or potentially visually oriented services or products and things like that. Um, an example I like to use is if, if you have, uh, if you're a company that makes industrial fasteners, things like screws, nuts and bolts and things like that, should you be doing Instagram? Mm. And it, well, but I said, what if your nut and bolt was just spent, sent up on SpaceX's new thing, new rocket? That's a cool thing to share. And you can, and you can literally tout your success very visually with a very up-to-date type thing. But you shouldn't just be showing nuts and bolts. Show the SpaceX rocket and then make a point that you've got 15 different products on that rocket. Yeah. Ooh, all of a sudden you're different than a, a nut and bolt manufacturer that might be a competitor that is just a commodity yeah. competitor. I mean, I think there's always stuff, always things to say, and, and hopefully as a good copywriter, you can always find things to say, even about the most boring of businesses, because there's, you know, to somebody that's not boring, the fact that this is an X74 widget rather than a blue ZP widget is interesting to somebody. You just have to find the insight. So there's always a way, but I guess if we're going to focus on a particular platform, and I think, you know, I'm big on LinkedIn. And for those of you who follow the Clever Copywriting School, we've got a little mini LinkedIn course that you can do to give you a bit of a boost and get you set up. But a bit of a plug there, a little bit of a plug. Um, I also love Twitter. I find it very amusing. Um, But I guess there'll be people listening to this going, okay, so I'm now, I'm I'm going to give LinkedIn a shot. I'm going to go and connect with DP first and uh, follow him. What sort of things should they be posting? If you were to say to someone, hey, look, let's plan out your first couple of weeks of content. What sort of things would you recommend that they be posting? A great thing to do is to promote your clients and make them look good. You look good. Okay, whenever you shine the light on your client, 
some of that light reflects back on you and it's halo light. This is God light that makes you look like Angelina Jolie walking out in the sunset, you know, because you make your clients look good. So a, a prosaic thing like a ribbon cutting at a new opening of a store or something. Should you be there with your camera or should you get the photo from your client of that grand opening and then promote it on LinkedIn for them? Absolutely. And ideally, you're doing it in a way that makes it clear that they're my client. You don't have to say, I'm so proud of my client, XYZ Supply. Yeah. No, but you can say, Linda at XYZ Supply, congratulations on the grand opening. What a hoot. I'm so proud of you and the entire team. I can't wait for our meeting next week. I've just said they're my client without saying they're my client. And I've made them look good. And by tagging all the people on that XYZ supply team, I'm now in their networks because you know they're going to like it and uh, do ideally what I call a like plus. So anyone who's been involved in improvisational theater knows the concept of yes and. Yes means I accept your premise and means I add to it. So in the case of a like, you don't just thumb up whatever you're liking. You thumb up and say why you're thumbing up that thing or adding to it in a fun way. Like, I love the fact that you posted this. My favorite takeaway from that article was this. Yeah. Because it's, I like it, yay. But I'm also sharing what I thought about it, which someone might not read the whole article. They get that and they look at me as this nice curator of a nice little bonbon takeaway. Yeah. You know? I think it's the whole notion of, you know, there's this whole idea of being first to comment as well. So try, which I don't think is so important, but I think when you're going to comment, it's more than just saying, Hey, great article. It's that, Hey, great article. I also like this idea and this idea because someone reading Rand Fishkin's article about blah, 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 will see your comment, will see your contribution and think, well, oh, they're quite interesting. And so to a degree, in a little way, kind of piggybacking off the person that you've just complimented on. But that's how I found some really interesting people. Like I've seen them interacting and having conversations on other people's posts. So I don't think it always has to be you generating new content every five minutes. You can get a lot out of LinkedIn as well just by interacting and contributing to other people's content as well, do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at any, uh, any good conversation where there are multiple posts, you can go through and count the, I like it too, I like it too, I like it too, garbage. And then you get the one that is, I like it for this specific reason and how it relates to a challenge that uh, a lot of people are facing. All of a sudden you go, four morons, one brilliant person that I would like to meet. And seriously, if you are that brilliant person in those conversations, people are going to ignore the rest and focus on you and say, I got to keep an eye on this person. And all of a sudden you might get a follower or someone who actually wants to connect with you via LinkedIn or whatever uh, social media platform you're on. But the whole point is, are you okay? Again, I like to think of what we do as almost nothing more than a big party. We've all been at parties where there's a cluster of people, someone's regaling the entire group with a story, and everyone's laughing, 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 or, and saying, I like it, I like it, I like it. If you're the one in that group who throws something back to them in a very fun, playful way, not, hmm, I'm thinking of somebody, 
uh, in San Diego. <laughs> the, the first night, oh, I, 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 sh I do want to share this story because I went to Social Media Marketing World first time by myself and went to that opening night party thing, or it was actually before the opening night. And I'm like looking at my watch going, okay, I'm going to make it another 15 minutes. And then I'm going back to my room to watch Netflix. And all of a sudden, uh, someone came up and sat next to me at the bar and that person had an Australian accent. And I went, where are you from? And we started the conversation. And then four hours later, I have an entire uh, posse of friends from Melbourne and Sydney and you name it. I, I think there was someone from Perth there as well. So it's kind of like the entire continent right there. That party happened because people were playing off each other. And then when the illustrious Kate Toon showed up as a whirlwind of craziness, it was like we, we bonded in what, 15 nanoseconds? Yeah, we did. That was, that was really cool. But, but that's the type of interplay because LinkedIn, look at LinkedIn as a party, yeah. not as a business opportunity. Not like you're sitting in their lobby. You're not in their lobby. You're at their kid's graduation party. And yeah. you're finding out something, you're sharing something, you're, it, it's just positive, you know, you don't have to go saccharine positive or cloyingly positive, but I think of things on LinkedIn as always stay net positive. Even if you bring up a detrimental thing or a negative thing, find a way to turn it positive. Yeah. You know. I think also people should play a little bit more on LinkedIn. I don't think it has to be all so serious. Some of the best relationships I've come, I've gathered out of there have been through banter. Like banter is a big thing in English culture, just batting back and forth kind of slightly sarcastic comments um, or like, you know, taking the mick out of each other or, you know, putting a contrary view or just, just having a bit more fun with it. And I think that comes from having a lot of confidence in yourself and your brand and also being aware that not everyone's going to like you. That's okay. As we said, it's as much about repelling people as attracting them. But you know, uh, the posts I put on LinkedIn are very rarely useful. Very rarely uh, do I put like, it has been a study has shown that 17.4% of people aren't, you know, bleh, boring. Everyone else is doing that. So I'll put something about my day or some kind of fun thing. And you, you, that doesn't detract from the fact that I know what I'm talking about. I just think people should not take it all so goddamn seriously. I don't know. Oh, amen. I mean, uh, one of the things that I would love to put in the brains of your listeners is the difference between curation and regurgitation. Curation is finding something yourself, discovering something shareable in it, and then sharing it regurgitation is just go on Twitter any day of the week and follow anybody in marketing and you'll get the top 10 ways to get people to click on your button or some dumb crap like that. I hate that. It's useless. There's a, you know, uh, I, wish I, I, know that, would, I wish someone would click on my button. I tell you, it's been a while. <laughs> Boom. Thank but, you very much. Enjoy the veal. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm here all week. Uh, yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Um, but be a curator. Be someone who brings something new to the party. It, an American football team, the Green Bay Packers, is huge in the state of Wisconsin. I mean, literally, it's one of the really great things about the state. If you go to a party, the safest thing to say to someone you don't know is, how about them Packers? You know, but it's meaningless drivel. 
you know, and that's why I, I'm an introvert who likes to find a book and a corner and read that book because I can't stand that drivel. There is so much drivel on social media. Don't be a driveler. Be a curator of good stuff. Don't regurgitate. You have a choice. Now, the thing is, if you're a natural contrarian, sometimes the best thing you can curate is some regurgitated crap and give a contrarian take to it. Because getting people to think differently is a valuable thing that copywriters do. You know, I've listened to your podcast and I know that you very clearly know the difference between features and benefits when it comes to writing copy. Clients want to sell on features. People want to buy on benefits. You know, the old drill hole story and all that stuff. It's absolutely true. So you should be a purveyor of quality information, even if that information can be challenging. Mm. And I love that. And I love the banter part too. Yeah. And when, when you find people who can handle that heat, you're part of my tribe forever. Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, one of the things that I also kind of don't hugely like is when people just constantly share the, the comments, or share the articles and ideas of like the big names, you know, the big names who are at social media world. And they're just resharing that and kind of saying, oh, this is great. Look what this person wrote in the hope that they will suck some glory juice from the Pat Flynn's of, of, of this, this world. Um, but, you know, I think we all can find little tiny, and I mean, you know, we don't all have to be thought leaders. We don't all have to be Simon Sinek. We can all find little tiny meaningful things in our own business. It might even be that, you know, hey, I found a way to keep my coffee warm for four hours so it could last even longer. It's a dumb thing, you know, or I found this little cool app and this is how I use it. So I think curation is really important, but I think, as you said, contrary points of view and just tiny insights, tiny little things that may help a few people. We don't all have to be the Pat Finns and Amy Porterfield of this world, but I think a lot of us feel a lot of pressure to be those people. And that's what almost will stop copywriters even bothering with social media because they're like, well, who's going to follow me when there's Joanna Weeb to follow or DP Knuton? You know, who's going to care about what I have to say? So, you know, I've strayed completely from our questions, but I don't care now. How do we get over that um, kind of imposter syndrome and the fact of what, you know, who cares about me and what I've got to say? How do we get over that? Okay. Imposter syndrome, turn it into a positive. And I truly, I, I thought this from my very first job as a copywriter, I thought, well, number one, don't tell anyone I'm self-taught, have never gone to school. I've my degrees in theater. Um, I, the way I look at it is I've watched TV advertisements my entire my life. I know what advertising is. Well, guess what? Other people found out I could do it by doing it. I still to this day feel like a hack. Same. And uh, the way I, when I talk to younger creatives, I'll say the day you stop feeling like a hack is the day you are one. Because if you're a hack, if, if you consider yourself a hack, you're constantly second guessing. Like I'm sure you've had this problem where you write something and it's so sharp. It's so pithy. It's so right on. And your first thought is someone else must've written that there. It has to exist someplace else. And if you look hard enough, you'll find someone who did say something similar to it. You can't go there. You have to believe in yourself because you have a voice that is different than anybody else out there. And why should they have a voice on social media and you not? 
because here's the reality. The only people who are, get, who are extracting zero value from social media are the ones who aren't using it. I'm about ready. I, I spent today doing a quick little video about aspect ratios when it comes to videos. Why? Because thanks to Instagram TV for coming out with a new aspect ratio from, you know, widescreen 16943, the old TV style, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah, if you're in video production, you know that stuff. If you're doing a lot of video, you know that stuff. If you're following the siren call of video on social media, because everyone's saying video is the king of content on social media, that means I must do it. Well, so if you're saying to yourself, well, how do I do it? One of the questions that you may not even know you need an answer to is, what's aspect ratio? How does that work? I'm sharing out a video on that tomorrow. Why? Because no one else is. That's a little gem of information that a lot of people are going to go, well, that's kind of 101. That's kind of basic. That's kind of first year. It's like, yeah, guess what? A lot of people are first year on social media totally. and they could use a little bit of help. Yeah. And that's it. It's a tiny gems. Like even, you know, I've been using Word for like, I don't know. 25 years and someone the other day just showed me a little button that I never knew was there and it's a dumb thing but it's kind of it was kind of I can't even remember what it was now but it was pretty life-changing and uh, that's must have been life-changing I can't remember it so I do think that's I think that's so it tiny little nuggets of information the other thing I would say to people is you may know who blah blah is but lots of other people don't like I talked to my husband and I went to social media marketing world and I was like you know everyone's taking photos with blah and blah and blah and he was like who who, who are they never heard of any of them never heard of a single one of them because he's just like he has a digital he has an online business he doesn't follow any of those people so you can create your own little circles of people and also people will follow multiple people you know people are like i only follow joanna weeb and shall never listen to any other person they're, they're, people want different opinions and different views and real life and working copywriters maybe rather than so superstar copywriters there's a there is room for everyone i think is an important thing to remember yeah, and there's, there are niches of those people everywhere. And when you find your tribe, I often think of it as a tribe. When you find your tribe, it feels like home and it feels mutually supportive and lovely and wonderful. And then when, a, when one of you says, hey, I'm going to social media marketing world and the other person says, so am I, guess what? Party happens and you've got someone to hang with during yeah. the whole damn thing. So are you, are you going to social media marketing world again? I thought you've kind of made me excited to go again, even though okay. I... Well, guess what? Because now we're best buddies, right? We are. Well, you'll look after me now, won't you? Well, exactly. As, as will um, Alex and Todd from Fletch Digital in Sydney. They became friends of ours. Yes. So I know they're coming. So, and um, I don't know if you met the Icelandic guys, uh, mm -hmm. Sigurdur and David from Sahara in Reykjavik. Oh, I want to meet them. Oh, well, t tell me about it. I've got this international group of friends that I am des determined to bring together so that we have the best time. And because let me tell you, I, to be famous at Social Media Marketing World is to be famous to 0.05% of the population of this earth. Guess what? No one in China knows any of the biggest names at Social Media Marketing World. So please, let's, let's put on our, our, hum, our humble hats, if you will, and understand that we all can learn from each other if 
we go to such events with an open head, an open heart, and open hands to share. I believe me, I was born a cynic. I was born a contrarian. I was born a, a, an acerbic pain in the butt. But I'm determined to change that because I want to be part of a world that's net positive, not net negative. And the only way to do that is by being so more positive than those people who are negative. Oh and God. again, I'm no Pollyanna, though. Believe yeah. me. I'm I love bit, ripping. I'm a bit of a cynic, too. And when we do the podcast, it's like uh, Belinda's good cop and I'm always bad cop because she's, she's much more sort of jolly and, and positive than I am. I can yes. see that. She, tell her I think she would make a wonderful hostess at a party. She, she, is, she is introverted as well. So she would be, though. She would, she's got great hair. Um, yeah. So, Look, I think, you know, lots of different things. I could talk to you all day, to be honest. But uh, I think as well, something that's so important that comes out of social media and connecting and viewing it as relationship marketing, not just with potential clients, but with your peers, are the relationships you form with your competitors and the opportunities that come out of that. You know, we actually met in real life first, but then we've, we've built that relationship on social media. Here you are on my podcast. Who knows what's going to happen next? We're going to go on holiday together. We're going to have barbecues. Who knows? We're going to catch swordfish and whales. You just don't know where it's going to lead. But what will definitely lead nowhere is just not giving it a pop at all. and just being terrified. Amen, sister. Amen. amen. Can I get an oh, amen? You can get an amen, girlfriend. <laughs> let me tell you, do not allow. The, and here's the thing. It's free. It has no cost. My LinkedIn, as much as I love LinkedIn, I'm still on the free account. I'm not paying premium for that stuff. I'm not a sales guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm extracting all the value I can out of my free account on LinkedIn. And let me tell you, I'm extracting a hell of a lot of value. Yeah. So what's stopping you? Uh, fear of failure. Well, guess what? Don't wake up and walk out the door then. I mean, everybody feels that um, I don't have anything smart to say. Yeah, you do. Mm. You might need to think a little bit to figure out what that is. But start following the people who are doing it the best from your point of view, not other people's point of view. Because yeah. some, of the, some of the named individuals at social media marketing world that we both met, let's just say I don't buy their tea. And um, I have a brain, and that brain can say that a movie that everyone loves, I can think sucks. Mm. Because I have a brain. And so share of yourself, your point of view, and demonstrate your value to people. And sometimes the best value you can demonstrate to someone is, hey, if I see you at a public meeting, I can walk up and say, hey, I follow you on LinkedIn. And boom, conversation starts. That is probably the single most valuable thing about being active in a thing like that. Networking for business is always painful. Unless you walk into the place and you see someone smiling across the room at you, you walk up to them because they seem nice. And you introduce yourself and they go, yeah, I follow you on LinkedIn. I'm so glad to meet you. You, you don't ever walk into a cold room when it's already warmed up by people who know you, even though they haven't met you yet. Love you. Love that. I said, I love you then. I do love you. I didn't mean to well, say. Sorry. Know, 
I just came out. I, I meant I love that. Um, so many, so many memes in this. I've got about seventy-two memes I've written down that I'm going to turn into beautiful graphics and share on social media. And I want to leave with one final point, and that is, it's, I call it the chip paper, the chip paper notion that uh, in England in the olden days you would get your chips served on newspapers. Uh, you call them French fries, I think. Right. But you know, mm-hmm. anything you post will be yesterday's chip paper, tomorrow's chip paper. So it'll be gone. It'll be gone in the feed. So even if you do post something completely stupid that no one responds to or there's like tumbleweeds, who cares? Tomorrow is a new day. Post something else. And yet, well, I'm going to mix metaphors on you. Social <laughs> media. Social media is a snowball at the top of the hill. And it never melts as long as you keep rolling it. Oh, we've had swordfish and whales and snowballs. And I haven't even gotten to my favorite metaphors yet. So I'm just saying, I'm going to save those. I'm going to save those for San Diego. Episode two of this fantastic podcast. Well, look, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much, DP. It's been fabulous. My pleasure, Kate. (laughs) Again. Now, regular listeners will know that this is the time that we read out a review of the show. But today, I cannot read one out because we don't have any new ones. You terrible humans. If you're listening to this now, take two minutes, maybe leave us a star rating and a review. We've run out of fresh ones. So rather than regurgitate, we'd like to have some new ones. And thanks anyway, though, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this show. Don't forget to head over to Hot copypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post and also you'll find all DP's links there to his podcast uh, his LinkedIn his website and all the wonderful things that he does so thanks again DP ciao thank ciao. you so much and until next time happy writing thanks for listening right to the end if you enjoyed this podcast you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's just test our sexy voice. What's your best sexy voice? Come on, let's wear it. My best sexy, uh, let's see. Oh, what are you wearing? (laughs) Hello. Oh, I think a little bit of vomit just came into my throat. Yeah, well, thank you very much for that. I'll try and do, I don't have one. My voice is sexy all the time. I just can't help it.